I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a conversation with a leading and sometimes controversial voice on the pandemic. She's Dr. Monica Gandhi, a specialist in infectious diseases at UCSF. If you read The Chronicle, you've seen her quoted often in the past year. You may also know she gained national exposure with her frequent critiques of the Bay Area's conservative pandemic response, which she argues has done more harm than good for some people, especially children who saw schools closed. Pre-pandemic, Gandhi was known locally as a longtime HIV-AIDS care provider who ran San Francisco General's Ward 86. In this discussion with Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, Dr. Gandhi talks about how that work and her experiences in her personal life over the past year and a half influenced her reaction to the coronavirus outbreak. Here's Aaron Alday and Dr. Monica Gandhi. You and I obviously have known each other a long time. I've worked with you a long time and largely in sort of HIV capacity and your right. work with Ward 86. And I think the first time I talked to you and you expressed any sort of concerns or reservations about how we were handling the local pandemic, it was in regards to what you were seeing in Ward 86 and with your patient population there. And I was, I thought we kind of step back a little bit. And can you talk to me a little bit about was that sort of your first kind of experience with with having some reservations and and what were you seeing with with your patients there? Yes, it was actually that that what happened is March 16th was our shelter in place order here in San Francisco and March 17th we received um uh from the health officer anyone who is in healthcare saying close down healthcare and do everything by telephone. And um because we want to keep people just completely away from each other. We want absolutely no Contact. It was the beginning of this sort of type of response of, of the way to keep people safe is just no contact. And so I immediately, it was March 17th, my first impulse as a medical director of a clinic of vulnerable patients was no, no, no. I, I know that some of our patients are going to need in-person care. A lot of what we do is togetherness, is looking at each other. We've known each other a long time. And also vulnerable patients Many people don't have phones. 34% of our population is homeless or marginally housed. So the ability to sit quietly and have a place to talk to your doctor, this is not a vulnerable patient population. And actually messaged something to the clinic, which said, well, we'll actually do what we think is right for our patients. And someone had seen that from the health department and I got in trouble for saying that. And I had to walk that back. Um, <laughs> and <Wow>. then... Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was my department chair. So then, unluckily, um, what was predicted, what I thought would happen, did happen, actually. We lost um, virologic suppression in our clinic, meaning we had people come in for their viral loads, and we've been very proud that this vulnerable patient population with all the concomitant challenges had kept viral loads undetectable with all the hard work everyone was doing to keep their viral loads down, and we lost that. We had an... Um, uh, 33% rise in people who lost their ability to keep their logic suppression or their viral loads down with medication. And we knew we had to change. And so I actually didn't tell anyone. Um, I mean, I was doing it in plain view in a way, and we went back to in-person care as much as possible. We used masks, distancing, ventilation for our staff, old, old windows up at Ward 86, just open them. And we kept our staff safe. We kept our patients safe. And we have done almost mostly um, in-person care since. It was the only thing that I can think that I really was able to have control over in our city's response. So when was that that you kind of went went to that, went back to that model that you kind of May realized? 2020. 
Okay. So just and, a kind of a couple months. Yeah. A couple of months and started doing that and then ramped it up over the summer. Then we had the summer surge We had the winter surge. We would keep as we would keep some, you know, anyone who wanted to do telehealth, of course, we'd still do that. We kept um, people in different offices. We kept our distancing. We, we were very rigorous about our own masking and our patient masking and we ventilated and we were able to do as much as we could. We keep on thinking of the analogy to schools in a way we, we kept what, what with all our strict mitigation procedures, we kept everyone safe, but we didn't close the place. We instead kept the place open. And I think that's a, that's an analogy for schools. So did you have any, any cases? Did you have any sort of infections get through there? No, we didn't have a single transmission um, case of any of our, in our staff um, and all of our patients who, they had COVID at lower rates than, than non-people who didn't have HIV in our city because there was a lot more sheltering in place, actually. We wrote a paper on that, but we didn't have certainly any transmissions at all in our clinic space, no. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, because so, all of these mitigations procedures work. Right. So so you're doing this for your patient population and kind of, you know, a little bit like, you know, under the table and keeping yeah. quiet. And then at some point you, I mean, in the middle of all this, you're writing a lot, publishing a lot of stuff about masks. You're a very strong mask component. I mean, a proponent. Right. And, and I know you still still are in reasonable situations. Um, when did you, I mean, in the meantime, you know, San Francisco and the Bay Area is getting a lot of really positive publicity, positive feedback about the aggressive response here, about how it's really kept the death rates, especially very low and has protected a lot of people. But you kind of at some point started pushing back on that narrative. What what made you, do you, do you remember was there kind of a moment? Was there something that made you decide that you needed to kind of be publicly pushing back? Yes, actually, it was the combination of our school closures and also the fact that I wasn't just studying masks because I was actually studying um, all non-pharmaceutical interventions to mitigate the virus. I wrote these two papers in Lancet Infectious Disease about this and how important ventilation was. And I kept in, so I'm thinking about mass distancing ventilation and I kept in thinking, I think a lot of what's going in San Francisco is a lot of our ventilation. We have just, we literally, and I started looking at Cape Town and South Africa because they had lower rates than surrounding areas. And there's just something about this virus that it doesn't like a lot of ventilation. And so I know that it, it's great to take credit for, for the public health response on keeping our low lower death rates. I actually think we're also lucky with our geography and that will probably end up showing us later that vent, uh, ventilated regions have... Um, uh, better rates, but it was actually not just that. It was this concept of harm reduction. So, harm reduction in 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 it really hit me over the summer, and that we don't take a harm. We didn't take a harm reduction approach in the city, and I kept in looking at the children and thinking, well, that's okay. They're going to open schools in fall, <laughs> and then Jill Tucker kept in writing, wait, they're not going to open the schools in fall, and then Jill Tucker and the Chronicle would say, can't they open the windows because? They say you can't open uh, school in falls because the windows won't open. But while we were talking about it, we could have probably in the public school system figured out how to get those windows open with construction over the summer. And it was panicking me because I thought, no, it's okay that schools were closed for three months, even though I thought that was also too long. But fall, they're going to be open. And so I was getting panicking over the summer thinking, not doing enough preparation for the school opening, the San Francisco Unified School District. And also the concept of harm reduction kept on hitting me because I live in a city that I, that I um, came to in 1996 from medical school for one reason and one reason alone. I came here 
because I wanted to be an HIV doctor and an infectious disease doctor. And I wanted to be in a place where I didn't grow up, which was Utah. I wanted to be in a place where people thought holistically about problems. And you would never say to someone when there's a pathogen out there, there's no, you can't have sex. You're done having sex. I mean, you, 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 there's a pathogen out there. Instead, we said in this city, in this city in which I live right now, um, we said we is the HIV response was, okay, let me tell you how to keep safe. I'm really sorry. It has to be condoms until we get to prep, but I can tell you which states you don't have to use condoms. You don't have to use condoms with oral sex and you don't have to use it here. And then let me tell you how to keep safe later. Oh, good. We have pre-exposure prophylaxis. Oh, good. We have treatment as prevention. And I kept on thinking that analogy with COVID that in this city, particularly, we were doing everything the opposite because we knew about masks, distancing, ventilation super early on, actually. The ventilation story has gotten more press lately with this admission that it, there's more aerosolation to the virus, but it doesn't mean that I think ventilation wasn't in there before. So we knew about this triangle of mass distancing ventilation, how to keep people safe, but it didn't mean that they had to stay away from each other. And where was it important for people to be together or to have in-person experiences? Visitors in hospitals, um, nursing homes where we could keep people safe, not completely isolate people, schools and healthcare. And these four places were really worrying me over the summer. Um, and so then, uh, and then I think it was fall that when the schools didn't open, something I think just changed for me and my head exploded, I guess. And then, yeah, I guess to be fair, I went public. <laughs> <laughs> now you have, do you have school age kids that this was directly impacting? And they're actually, you know, my, my, um, I have lost my husband, um, uh, he died um, and from cancer. And um, I had actually, he'd gotten ill when my children were zero and two. And when he got ill, I made the decision to put them in, in private school because I knew I'd be really busy with his illness. And um, it wasn't a decision I wanted. I actually grew up in a public school system, but um, I was still in that private school. And, and because, again, we have this two-tiered system in our in our city, private schools have been open and public schools have been closed. Um, and also I advised my private school, my children have actually been in school this year. So I don't have as personal stake in the public schools being open in a personal life way. I have a um, dramatically stake, I think, in being an infectious disease doctor, which I know, I know it was wrong to have them close this long. I know how to keep people safe. I know about this pathogen. I really think about it, COVID-19. And I know it was more that I felt I had to inform the dialogue in a different way. We'll get back to Aaron Alday's interview with Dr. Monica Gandhi of UCSF after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com pod. And you're still getting pushback, we can talk about sort of the social media aspect of this. I mean, you definitely have gotten beat up. I mean, I've been watching this kind of for a long time, ever since you kind of first ventured into that public sphere. Um, and, and you know, and you're not, you know, it's there's, there's, you've, you've had a lot of kind of public pushback, but a lot of kind of your colleagues will not be, you know, aggressive about it. But it's not like you, I mean, you've got some people rallying to you, but but a lot of people saying, well, it's not it's not quite as simplistic or it's not quite as black and white or, or, or you know, there have been people, I think, appreciative of your voice, but not necessarily agreeing with you completely. Right. Um, what sort of, 
let's i mean these are kind of two different topics talk a little bit about sort of the 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 really kind of aggressive pushback you've gotten where do you think that's coming from this sort of i mean i think i saw something even you know recently on twitter that was you know talking about you like not caring about kids or or you know yeah. wanting to like that killed kids. I mean, it gets like really extreme. I mean, it's it, Twitter, it gets whatever. very bad. Actually, I was just talking to a reporter who is trying to do a story on probably the five scientists who have talked about school openings a lot. And she said, where does this come from? Where does this backlash come from? Exactly. Yeah. And I said, because I was actually telling her today, I just happened to be a little bit at the end of my rope about it only because I, um, up till this year, up till the time that, that I started becoming public, with COVID, I have been the most uncontroversial person you can imagine. I'm like, I know. I like just write papers <laughs> and I like, everyone likes me and I, <laughs> I'm just like really academic. That's and- how I know you. I was kind of surprised <laughs> when that shifted, but yeah, exactly. And my credentials are, I have good credentials and I just work. Right. And so, um, it didn't, I didn't uh, expect it. And she also asked me the same question, the reporter. And I said, you know, I think it comes from an incredible theater for our children. Um, And that incredible fear for our children means that voices who have big platforms, and what's a big platform? That's a platform like Twitter, because people who may not have the credentials can get on Twitter. They can have a PhD in another field, for example, um, and they can get on Twitter and they can just post. And their, their statement will look like they have a PhD after their name, which they do in another field but they can say whatever they want. And they um, will post fearful messaging about children. They will post inaccurate depictions of the number of children who have become severely ill with COVID versus um, over the 2020 year versus those who have become severely ill with flu two years ago. Those numbers are the same. Trump was right in only one group, only one group that uh, children actually um, do have COVID outcomes that are similar to the flu. Uh, influenza. That's not true of adults. Trump was wrong. And um, and so the, the issue is that there's a manipulability about people's um, fears about children, because why wouldn't you be fearful of children? There is one child's life being lost from anything is a tragedy. And so that, that when we put together, and we really do, we put together data, I think, that really links to references, really links to epidemiology, because that's the only way I know how to write. You can look at those links, you can go to the CDC and see it, but it looks like, it, it, in a public eye, that can look like, well, but but we should keep all children home, um, and you're not, being, you're not being sympathetic enough to write in a way that's just data-based, I think. It could be that. It could be the second reason, I think, is that I and Emily Oster and Tracy Hogan and others have actually thought about the other aspects of school closures, which were the mental health and learning difficulties. And why would that be my domain? It really isn't, I'm an infectious disease doctor, but it is in the sense that HIV is more holistic of an infectious disease. We don't think just of HIV, we think of the whole person. So it's very natural for an HIV doctor who doesn't to think holistically of a pathogen about other aspects of collateral damage. These attacks are, um, coming from people who are scared and um, people who are, are um, not looking at the, enti- the totality of this, of this pandemic. And the one thing that I have an advantage that maybe they don't is looking back at historical pandemics. And so influenza, for example, when I was writing this grant on COVID, 
I realized how much collateral damage occurred in 1918 from school closures and also from closures of medical care. People came in the next year with cardiovascular disease and heart disease and strokes and things that had been missed. And because I had been reading about that when I was writing a grant early on about COVID in April 2020, and maybe I put it more in perspective, um, and that you have to consider the entire society when you make your public health decisions, absolutely keeping people safe from COVID. There is no one that should get COVID. Remember, harm reduction aims to reduce infections just as much as a lockdown approach with COVID. We aim, I as a harm reductionist, want infections with COVID to be as low as possible. Yeah, well, I think one thing that struck me about your kind of messaging, and this is even kind of in the fall before kind of the winter surge, but also during the winter surge was, I got the impression that you had seen that we had this very conservative approach all the way through. And and all the people who were really speaking out, I mean, you had obviously... Grant Colfax, who was, you know, calling the shots, and you had the state leadership that was everybody was kind of on the same page in this conservative response. But a lot of the kind of go to experts in the media were backing that up, were kind of going along with it. And you were sort of the first one, aside from schools, to kind of rise up and be like, maybe this is too far. Maybe this is, and I remember you sending me every day, you know, an update of how many <laughs> people were hospital. No, that was good. I think that was a really, and that was my thought is I think there were times when, you know, like personally, I didn't agree with you necessarily, or certainly I was talking to people who didn't, but it seemed like yours was a voice that was missing for a very long time. And people like you, because there was this sense of you couldn't, it felt like people couldn't challenge the public health response in California. And there was like a lot of politics in there. This is sort of a bigger issue. Um, But I thought maybe we could kind of wrap up on that. Like how much of this do you think, did you feel a responsibility to sort of round out this kind of public health response and how we how we thought about this pandemic? You know, I felt actually incredible responsibility to round it out in a way that I somehow couldn't get away from because I kept on thinking, oh, I'll just stop talking. I really will. Like, if they call me from SFGate and ask if closing outdoor dining is the right approach in the wintertime, when I knew that people were going into the holiday and that was maybe the only thing that they could do with each other that was safe and that and that it's possible that we weren't actually going to have a good winter surge from our profound lockdown response which is exactly what happened we had a terrible terrible winter surge because we had kept such restrictions in play and then on december 4th five health officers after california had messaged it said you may not see anyone outside of your household, period, on December 4th. And the holidays were two weeks away and and outdoor dining was safe. And I knew it because I knew about ventilation. And Eric Ting called me from the SF gate and he said, will you tell me if you think that the closure of outdoor dining helped help fuel surges in the winter? And I thought about it and I thought, actually said no. And then I called him back and I said, yeah, I'll talk about it. And uh, the reason why is because no one else was. And I, I knew what was going to happen is what I mean is you can't keep human beings away from each other for this long. You can tell them how to stay safe and you can allow that humanity to occur because it is human to want to see your loved ones. And as we told you, and it, it, it has something to do with this. My husband died for four months before the pandemic started. 
I know that humans need other humans. And I know that children need children. And I know that you can't, there are ways to keep people safe because I knew from HIV without telling them, just stay away from each other. And that's the only way you can save lives. And I knew it so profoundly in me because of my experience in IT and because of my personal experiences that yes, I kept on talking. And anyone asked me to do an interview, I would always say the opposite thing that all the other people you were talking to in the Chronicle. <laughs> and and it, one day, I don't know if you remember, if you are on my Twitter one day after like, I was the only one saying that we don't have to mask outside. And I remember I actually finally tweeted and I said, I got to move. I have to move out of the city. I'm the only person. And then um, the only good thing that came out of it is this lovely pre-medical student wrote me and said, okay, but if you have to move, can I come and shadow you? And he shadowed me yesterday in clinic and it was wonderful to meet him. And it was great to see that, that I may be the only one who's saying it, but a lot of people think it. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to cut it off. Um, It's been so great to have you. Um, It's great to get to see your face. And I am personally really excited to come and visit you at Ward 86 again sometime soon. Excellent. I can't wait till you do. Please come and we'll talk to you, Jake. Thanks to Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday and Dr. Monica Gandhi of UCSF for joining the program today. Thanks also to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. (laughs) 